0: BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. See BetMGM.com for terms. 21 plus only. Virginia only. New customer offer. Subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler. Promotional offer not available in Washington, D.C.
1: This is Jordan Grace, and you're listening to the Social Suplex Podcast Network. this is Mike Sempervivi from WrestlingObserver.com. Check me out on Wrestling Observer Live every day. And also check out your boys, Rich and James, on One Nation Radio. Right, this is Kenny Omega. We're listening to One Nation Radio. Check it out, guys. These guys know what's up. Big Kenny Omega fans. That's all it comes to me. Goodbye and
0: good night.
1: Hey. Welcome to the December 4th edition of One Nation Radio. My name is Rich Latta. And um, unfortunately, James is not joining us this week. He ended up last minute uh, hadn't, having to attend to a family matter. So I'll be holding it down um, tonight uh, alone on this show. Uh, we have a lot of great topics to talk about. And um, this weekend, you know, just a lot of crazy stuff went down in the college football world. Today is December 4th, uh, which is Jay-Z's birthday. Uh, my opinion, uh, probably the greatest rapper of all time. Um just thinking about uh, Jay-Z, he's uh, someone that I took a lot of influence from in my early years uh, as an MC. And even to this day, just seeing you know, all the moves that, that he's made and everything like that, I just love uh, his albums that came out pretty much every, at the end of every year from like 96 to 2003. It was just uh, a run that I think is like in unlike any other, personally. Um Really, you know, was a big fan of Rockefeller Records. And um, just a big happy birthday to Jay-Z, uh, turning 54 years old today. Love to see, um, you know, the, the great rappers uh, that age. Um, but in other news, uh, I guess we should get to it. Florida State robbed and not put in the top four of the college – football power rankings. I I believe that's how you say it. Um, I haven't paid as much attention this year, but I I got really involved this last weekend just because I thought the scenarios were so crazy. Uh, There was going to be nastiness somewhere. And uh, the Florida State Twitter uh, has been going – Pretty much insane. All kinds of backwards compliments, uh, straight up outrage. Uh, shout out to my boy Floyd. He was very upset. We watched the decision live together, and um, Floyd, not usually the um, you know the most foul mouthed individual, <laughs> uh, immediately yelled, "They fucked us!" Like, and this was. Uh, he was a little bit ahead of me, so uh, I am a Florida State fan as well. Uh, but nowhere near like James and Floyd because they have way more years in this thing than me. Um, It, it was really interesting because, you know, I felt like everyone thought Michigan and Washington were getting in. Um, Then, you know, it comes down to the battle of Alabama, Texas, and then Florida state, Um, Florida state, of course, lost Jordan Travis. And then Georgia messed around and lost the sec championship to Alabama. So, And then Texas defeated Alabama head-to-head. So it was like, well, who's going to get left out? And um, I was kind of shocked because, obviously, this is the first time, you know, a Power 5 team that was undefeated, didn't lose any games, uh, has been told it doesn't matter. Get it like the Red Cross. Uh, You're going to be on the outside looking in. Um, The thing that really jumped out to me was hearing them talk about the um, availability of your team uh, is going to be – Uh, basically like who's available, who's injured, uh, and they're taking that into account. When I saw that line, I kind of thought it might be bad for Florida State, Uh, and it turns out it was. Uh, There are two schools of thought on this, I believe. Uh, I don't want to put words in his mouth. James kind of predicted this stuff, so it wasn't really uh, something, you know, he felt like when Jordan Travis went down, that was like the season going up in smoke itself. Um, There are a lot of different theories on this thing, whether Jordan Travis was healthy, would they have put him in or not? Uh, is this a network dis- decision with ESPN? Is this all just a big money grab? Because it's not like you know Washington is going to be driving the ratings or anything like that. Uh, or is it just you play in the SEC, so you get carte blanche uh, to do what you want? There are a lot of great arguments for everyone. Georgia, of course, you know they're twenty nine and zero uh the last you know 29 game winning streak they finally lose and now they're out uh I guess that's just the way the ball bounces uh Saban gets to play uh the underdog role with perhaps the most talented team in the country aside from the quarterback position uh and Michigan not happy Uh, if you guys saw that video uh where uh they they find out that they're not playing Florida State and they're playing Alabama and it just looked like someone died in the room um so um, we're looking at uh, Washington and Texas, and then Michigan versus Alabama. Um, the young boy Joshua Smith is a Michigan fan. So um, there's going to be, you know, pick your favorite social suplex uh <laughs> people that are not Florida State fans. Um, and uh, I, I think for now I'm going to root for Texas, uh, get, get this anarchy uh, to, to keep going. Uh, I, I don't want Texas, uh, Michigan to win. I do not want Alabama to win. I'll go with Texas uh, and see if the SEC fans try to claim that uh, as a championship as they <laughs> like to claim things, whether they win them or not. Um, but moving on from college football, We got huge news in the world of pro wrestling that broke uh, this afternoon. Now, the Kazushka Okada uh, becomes a free agent. People have interest in him. These stories go around quite regularly. And sometimes it is like, oh, okay, yeah, this is something we all know. Or there's a new wrinkle in this thing. So the new wrinkle in this thing... I guess we should uh, pull up a story. It was Sports Illustrated uh, that, that you know, put this thing out there. and uh, Kazusho is set to become a free agent in 2024. Um, so how it goes, I believe this is Justin Barrasso. So to face New Japan Pro Wrestling, uh, Kazusho Okada's current contract expires at the end of January with a deal uh Under new Japan, that would be typical anyway uh Kazushi Okada is thirty six years old, and he seriously entertained the possibility of wrestling for a different promotion um immediately, everyone started saying oh, oh shit, it's time to bring okato back to t n a saw people calling for Toyoman i've seen people saying Noah should offer him a contract uh, I think it really comes down to two places and apparently. Uh, when Okada wrestled on Dynamite in October, the purpose of his trip was not to solely advance a feud with Brian Danielson for Wrestle Kingdom, but that was a, essentially a Kazushka Okada recruitment trip, um, and that kind of gave him the chance to, uh, you know, kind of evaluate AEW and, you know, see, you know, if that would be a place for him, um, should he opt to exit New Japan. Uh, of course, you know, Triple H has won this guy for years. Uh they've got Sh Nakamura Nakamura his former chaos uh mate. Uh they got Finn Balor who's obviously familiar with him, AJ Styles. They got, you know, people Okada has uh you know cross paths with in the past. Um of course I wouldn't want to see that or anything because you know, who wants to see people end their careers by signing with WWE? Uh, just you know, probably be doomed to boredom, and I don't know. I, I don't think you know handing Kazushi Okada a mic on live television might be the way to go. I don't. I I, I struggle to to feel like they would know how to present him well. But you know, looking at it, there are uh, a lot of things to think about uh, with Kazushi Okada possibly going somewhere like AEW. Can Kazushi Okada finally get his official? Uh, you know, Young Bucks uh, style merch. Not trying on Matt Jackson stuff. Not trying on Nick Jackson. Uh, we we got to get the real Rainmaker. Uh, you know, clothing and <laughs> everything like that. Uh, jokes aside. Um, I don't think this would actually like if because show kind of jumps, he jumps. Whatever. Uh, whether he goes to AW. I would like it. Yeah, I you know, I AW you know, is my favorite promotion. I would love to see a, a guy that obviously has all this history uh with these guys, you know, come over and, you know, they would he would obviously be used, you know, how he's used. Um but as far as like for the health, I think, of the wrestling business, uh, I don't think my initial like want would be for Okada to sign with either WWE or AEW. I would want him to stay in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Like, there's nothing to me that, like, Kazucho Okada will never be bigger in any other promotion than he would be in New Japan Pro Wrestling. Um, could this be a financially re- related thing? Okada's wife is rich. Okada's been paid well for a long time. But you never know, man. Like, um, you know, who knows? he? Who's to say he hasn't talked to uh, Will Ospreay? And Will was like, yeah, old Barry, uh, you know, showed me this number and I lost my mind. And then Kazushi Okada is like, well, Bushiro, what you got? And if he's, you know, putting this stuff out to put pressure on them to drive the price up, good for him. He deserves it. Um, I think that Okada as a wrestler right now is more valuable to New Japan Pro Wrestling. They should do everything they can to res- retain his services and help uh, you know, have him usher in their next class because uh, I tell you, if Will Osprey and kind Okada leave without like really helping or losing to the next era, uh, there's gonna be some upset people. Um, I, I I think there will be a couple of other funny outcomes. I would see a lot of the uh, you know, your more hardcore New Japan fans that are. Very upset about anything that happens with AEW. I might actually have to shoot him some bail on this one. Um, and I think that, <laughs> it like, yeah, if you're talking about the partnership with New Japan and uh, and AEW, I don't see how if you're like a, a, a bang the drum New Japan Pro Wrestling fan, if you feel like all your guys are getting taken uh, from them by like Tony Khan. Like, I don't see how Kazuchika Okada doing that. You're not wanting to rip uh essentially this whole thing up and start anew um you know then on the other hand it's like well maybe this is a case where it would force new japan to rip the band-aid off to really start going with that next era like a lot of us are are clamoring for them to do uh if it was my company i'd be thinking about how yoda suji is the world champion by the next time they roll in the forbidden door um you know hell the can we get to new beginning and yoda suji is the champion and then really just start going with those next guys um there's a lot of different ways this this could go and i i don't think aw or new japan or wwe necessarily need okada but he's like an ultimate luxury he's he's a guy that's obviously just like one of the most premier wrestlers of this era and he's you know he's Got a lot of miles. Uh, this guy's like, you know, he's got a fucked up neck and uh, he's he's had lots of wars and different G1s and lots of legendary Tokyo Dome matches. There's not really anywhere for him to ascend to uh, in New Japan. So maybe there's part of him that's like, yeah, I want to go abroad and, and do that. But for... Me personally, I think for the best of, of wrestling, I think Bushy Road better find the money, find the yen. Um, because if if they don't, I'll welcome them with open arms into uh US wrestling and um uh, you know, in particular AEW, I think you know, there are a lot of great opportunities there, you know, a lot of history obviously with Will Ospreay, Kenny Omega, um you know, who wouldn't want Okada and Omega 5 on uh, a show like <laughs> Wembley Stadium or something like that? Um, you know, there's just uh, the, the long-rumored Kazuchika Okada and the Young Bucks trio. Uh, of course, you know, he'd be standing aside from someone like Brian Danielson. Um, you know, new people he hasn't faced like Swerve. People that he faced early in their careers that are not the same. Hangman Page. Of course Jay White and Okada have lots of history. So like there's guys everywhere you look. Uh you know, the l- let the pillars, um, uh, you know, we got comments, uh, Bruhaven saying Okada and Darby Allen. That'd be like an interesting match. See if he could speed Okada up. We know Okada doesn't like young guys, so he can just import that jumbo suruda like gimmick on over, um, should should he jump, but um I don't I, I don't think that Okada should do this. Like I, I think he should remain in new Japan pro wrestling and continue to, you know, add to, to his greatness by wrestling the, the next class. And then, you know, do do his thing. I I think he's someone, you know, that's just such a special performer. He can write his own ticket. Um, these companies should be on their knees begging uh, for him for, uh, you know, their services. And, you know, there's gotta be ways to, uh, to, to, to either, if you're New Japan, you need to know how to treat this guy special going forward. Have him, you know, remain, whether he's in an office position, uh, whether he's, you know, just this emeritus-style ace. Continue to be, like, this signature guy because, like, I, if you're new Japan pro wrestling, if you lose this guy, I think you got to tear this entire thing down and start it over. Um, and that means going as young as possible, and then possibly, you know, you're scaling back for a couple years without Okada. Uh, I know people would say, yeah, we got Tetsuya Naito. he's a huge draw. There's like Lij, and yes, there there is. But on the other side of that, always was Okada, and <laughs> there's something to, to rebel against. Uh, Tanahashi's like, who knows how long he's gonna be around it would be a lot of rebuilding and you know I, I i got people talking about sonata in the comments i i'm sorry sonata's not the answer like sonata's not going to captivate uh the audience and the imagination uh like Kazushika okada has for a decade plus uh you know tomohiro Ishii is 47 uh years old so it's 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 a lot to think about i would not want to lose Kazushika okada uh under any circumstances. So let's, uh, keep it rolling here. I got the, uh, next thing here, obviously CM Punk returned to Monday night raw. Um, and that was a interesting promo to say the least CM Punk. Uh, last week came out on raw we were on the air live kind of as it or not live we were recording as it was happening and you guys caught some of our natural reaction to this stuff as it was coming in on twitter and i saw it i watched the promo a a day later and it was odd for one i didn't see the crowd reaction anything like with the entrance and everything like that but man You talk about a guy that looked dead behind the eyes. You talk about a guy that is saying these (laughs) almost insincere-sounding things. Uh, You know, this man CM Punk himself called it a personal moral failure if he's ever back in WWE. Uh, it It is interesting to see this guy clearly showing up for the check when it seems like this was never him, but maybe this is who it was underneath all that. And I think, you know, I don't know who's eating the crow between CM Punk or his fans or anything like that, but, um, I, I heard it, the, the pro, the promo didn't make me excited about a future opponent. It didn't make me excited about what he, his mission statement is, um, he he turns to the camera, you know, after he did all the 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 monologuing with the mic and, you know, he does, you know, one of those off the camera where he's like, yeah, man, I'm here to make friends, not money. And it's like I saw people desperately trying to turn this into like, oh, this is this is all oh, this is what we came for. It's like, no, man, y'all know what a, a lightning style CM Punk promo is like. Y'all know what it feels like. Because I was there. You were there for the pipe bomb. I was there when he cut a promo face-to-face with The Rock and out-talked him. I was there watching Rampage when he cut the I Return to Professional Wrestling promo. When we're talking about those promos and this guy and that level, what you saw last Monday was not that. And... There was a I, – I believe it was Joe Lanzo was talking about it. Uh, he said, you know, there's a stark difference on the feeling. Uh, you know, after Survivor Series, they blow the roof off with this guy. Twitter's ablaze, everything like that. But after Monday, it was jokes. It, it was people beating this guy down, saying, you know, WWE bought a bad bag of dope. People, you know, looked at this promo as just heartless – Especially like with this guy like um you know coming out here and saying he's home of all things. This company that, you know, he was in litigation with, this company that he shat on for years and years and years. You know, it's it's not particularly compelling to me. Um but I see how people could you know get wrapped up in this thing? I'm, I'm gonna try to try to take it you know to that level. Uh, but when when I saw this, I was like, "Yo, there's no way Triple H didn't laugh himself like into tears a- after seeing this." It's like, "Yep, like like y'all seen that Drewski video? Got him. We fucking got him. Like, there's there's no way that 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 Triple H isn't doing a fist pump, calling Vince McMahon like like we won." Like, I, I don't know how if you are a uh, a huge CM Punk supporter, you feel good about this. Like, I, at best, you can be like, well, maybe they'll treat him better. And it's like, yo, you know, I, I think you can look at something like him getting stuck in the third hour, him not getting to touch that commercial-free part of the show. Like, yo, we're going to give that to Randy Orton. Their, their, their guy that's been there for 20 years uh, that's coming off the injury and everything like that. What we're going to do is give you the end of this show, see if you can hold them and really test, you know, who's here for you. And I think they did a decent number, Um, you know, that, but he's not being protected the way that he was uh in AEW. Like as far as like, yeah, we're, we're putting you on, not near any ad breaks. We're putting you on at eight o'clock top of the hour and, you know, Big CM, like, this is a whole new, uh, you know, playing field as far as, uh, you know, compared to what he did in AEW. But I'm just glad as the weeks go by with this stuff, we know who this guy's, you know, what his priorities were, who he always kind of wanted to be with. As I mentioned previously on the shows. And there's nothing wrong with, with what he wanted to do, you know, with his career. He the place that he wanted to come back to originally was WWE. Did the backstage. Um, you know, COVID happened. He then inquired with WWE again. Vince McMahon said, Hell no. Then he reached out to Tony Khan. They had the whole deal with uh CM Punk basically saying, I want them to stop talking about me and the text message stuff, and Cody was talking about it. And then finally CM Punk comes in a lot of relitigation on you know his his role in, in, in these things and uh you you see just this revisionist history uh, about a lot of this stuff and it's like we were all there why do we have to um <laughs> you know dress it up to be something that that it wasn't it's like you know it reeks of people not being able to accept how it ended for him in all elite wrestling which was a firing of cause and now he's in WWE. I think if you're, you know, if you're rooting for CM Punk to either correct his career or you're just like, yo, fuck it, like, you know, you're gonna stick to him. He's gonna be the person uh, in WWE now that you wanted him to be in AEW. I just don't know if that's gonna happen. And I feel like I can give it twelve months um, generously. And as far as like last Monday night, like, just uncompelling for me. And it was just like. Technically, like, you know, the the way he's speaking into the microphone and, and doing the monologue, he nails all that, right? But, like, you're looking for him to, like, really bite down onto something. This was not even, like, that collision, the first collision promo, as scatterbrained as that one was. This one, I didn't even have a clue, like, who he would really be facing off with. And, um, of course, you know, people say, yeah, you know, early in the show they had Seth Rollins call him a hypocrite. I don't care about Seth Rollins. What if I just tuned in to see CM Punk? So, like, what did he do to really bring us back next week? I don't really think they gave us much, aside from, yo, just the novelty of CM Punk's going to be on SmackDown next week. So, um, you know, I, I'm I'm looking at it. So, And you know how I know this promo did not go over in ways where it was like, yeah, man, they're shaking the table with this one. Immediately, they were jumping out the next day with, oh, they're thinking about CM Punk versus Stone Cold Steve Austin. I'm sorry, man. It's not 2012. It's not 2013. Stone Cold already came back. Stone Cold already wrestled the match against Kevin Owens. Now, if you're going to say, yo, now we're going to get a chance to promote Stone Cold Steve Austin ahead of time to do this thing. Cool. What's the storyline going to be at all? Is Stone Cold Steve Austin going to be like defending the good name of WWE is this just going to be something simple as simple as stone cold likes to drink beer and CM Punk is straight edge. That stuff feels 10 to 15 years too late. And this would be what I would call a big dumb WrestleMania match. Should it happen? Um, <laughs> and you know, that's WrestleMania does a lot of those, the, the big dumb WrestleMania match. I'm sure uh, if I laid it all down on paper, you would probably be able to like, figure out what that year's particular big, dumb WrestleMania match is. Um, Could you possibly get some good promos? Maybe. But these are two guys that obviously didn't want, you know, creatively to, you know, just do anything. And asking Austin to come in for this, I feel like there would need to be some, like, major, major uh, creative liberties, like, basically uh, agreed to. First, how the hell are they gonna work this match? Because CM Punk is going to need to bump around and you know structure everything for Austin. Could he do it? I don't know. Based on how CM Punk has looked this year, he's been able to rise to the occasion in a match like his Wembley Stadium match. But some of the matches, like with Ricky, starts just week to week on TV. They were weird. Like <laughs> let's just keep it a stack, man. They were weird. They were unathletic. They were not necessarily taking the biggest bumps in the world, so him with Austin, it seems like it would just be a a Um, walk-and-brawl. It would be something to where it would just be some lowest common denominator wrestling. It would be the mother and the absolute father of Bret Hart tributes because... You know, of course, he would want to redo as much as Survivor Series 96 as he could, as much as WrestleMania 13 as he could. But I'm telling you, Austin, I don't even know how old Austin is right now. Let me uh, pull, pull this up. Stone Cold Steve Austin age. Stone Cold Steve Austin is 58 years old. He will be 59 next week. Now, Austin is almost 60 years old, rounded up. I don't know what he's really remotely capable of at this point. This is somebody, you know, if you want to compare him to Sting, go ahead. You know, Sting is maybe forcing us how to reconsider an older wrestler, but Austin Sting was like a hundred times more active than Austin in the years leading up and like stone Sting's like a, he's been a freak of nature. Austin was too, but in a different way, Sting is like an athletic Marvel, you know, in his youth. And I think with Austin, this coming back like this, it would feel weird. It would be like, Oh, well, why didn't you come and face CM Punk in like 2013? You probably could have did it then. So, like, that whole thing feels weird to me. So, like, that coming out immediately, I'm like, oh, they want us to shift the focus of how, like, kind of mid this promo was, right? <laughs> they they then floated stories about Seth Rollins being the initial opponent. And whatever, we all kind of expected that with, with the whole thing. But I can't think of a whacker feud to enter the company with. One, it's funny because it's Seth Rollins having to defend the honor of WWE, which never, and I mean never, turns out well. If his whole thing is rooted in CM Punk saying, saying CM Punk's a hypocrite, CM Punk's going to turn around and be like, so what? And then Rollins is dead in the water. And then the match, I don't think that'll be really that good. I feel like we're this is a three and a quarter special um, staring us in the face. And... They coupled this Rollins story with saying, oh, yeah, eventually we'd like to get him in there with Roman Reigns. You got to do the match. Like, I'm not even disputing that. You have to do CM Punk versus Roman Reigns if you're WWE, preferably <laughs> like in sometime before, like maybe SummerSlam. Maybe that's your SummerSlam main event or something like that. If it's me, I want to get as many big CM Punk matches booked before he self, self-destructs, but – um I'm not the audience for the CM Punk, uh, Roman Reigns feud right now, Uh, but it would be this – there would be all-time nasty uh, discourse around this match with (laughs) people just taking all types of liberties with history, uh, and that goes for the fans as well as the company. Uh, If CM Punk starts doing the monologues mid-match Brew Haven, I think I will just, just fall down out my chair laughing. Um, uh, where does Cody Rose play into this CM Punk stuff? Because I, I gotta say some of the, some of the stuff Cody is saying feels like a man walking a thin line where he's like, yo, I have my own business to tend to right now. And I don't need him becoming a nuisance for me, whether it's blocking me from where I need to go or getting myself tied down with him and his muck. If he wants to do business the correct way, I think Cody will do business with him, right? But, man, the CM Punk-Cody WWE feud being about (laughs) who did what on the outside of the company – this doesn't seem like things that they would write. So that tends, you know, that leads me to think that it would end up being about something goofy. So, <laughs> um, oh, no, man, it's 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 a lot. Um, and, and these are all things that have not been planted on television or anything. This is through backstage interviews like, you know, with, with news, excuse me, with media outlets. Uh, Oh my God, Cody and Punk's dogs feud. Oh my God, Um, (laughs) Pharaoh versus Larry. (laughs) Who y'all got in the shoot? Please let me know. Can't, Can't, there's no way CM Punk's dog can do something with Pharaoh. There's no way. Um, so I think. I should probably start talking about dog fighting on this show. Um <laughs> especially being this close to the Mercedes-Benz Stadium like I am, which is where Michael Vick used to play, which is where, yeah, let's 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 move on. So, um Yeah, <laughs> Dr. Larry. No, we're not doing no dog fighting here. Jesus. Um, but yeah, man, um ultimately I think I thought this was pretty uncompelling like as far as like a week one i didn't think this necessarily brought anyone back and they they stuck this promo at the end of a fucking horrible show people were telling me the cage match uh bots couldn't even save this and this was like a um chance for people to really uh show the the new wwe quote unquote to all the folks like like us and you know, people like myself and maybe you that don't watch WWE anymore, if you do, you know, um, I, I imagine that you saw this show and was like, Oh, this is this is not hitting. Uh, this is a chance, I think, to try to win a couple people over who are like, Yeah, man, I don't want to watch WWE, but I want to see what CM punk has got going on. Maybe I'll lock in and they're booking shit like Randy Orton and Dom Mysterio, never ending tag team turmoil matches, and it's like they they just didn't give anybody a reason. What what did Tracy Chapman say? Give me one reason to stay here. They they did not do that. So, um, let's see. Uh Brew Haven says, Rich, which belt has more prestige? The AEW Real Worlds Championship or the WWE World Heavyweight Championship V2? Man, that is a great question. You know? Um Seeing as how there were only two matches for the AEW Real World Championship with the X on it, it spent primarily most of its time in a bag, inactive for a long time. Even, you know, someone like, just like you laid this out on on paper, I think you got to say the WWE World Heavyweight title that Rollins has been carrying around, the fake uh, joint, the... uh, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> the bronze medal, as we've called it on this show, um you know yeah Zach says, uh congratulations for surviving f o h week. yes, yes, so uh, we're gonna wrap up the cm punk talk i think this is uh an evolving story uh if he does anything remotely interesting, we'll talk about it, uh, but as far as like him having anything to say about AEW, he can't he's on n d a uh, and that shit is tight as hell. Um, so you know, people were maybe looking for things that weren't there with the with the promo he cut, but he's he's been defanged. And how valuable really is a defanged CM Punk? This so is the youngest guy in the world, and this guy is going to his superstar is going to be determined through his promos and his personality. What's he have to really be upset about? We will see last Saturday, we recorded the f o h draft, which is the seventh annual edition uh of <laughs> us basically getting together for around christmas time uh drinking you know our choice our beverage of choice. And shooting on the business, all the, the hot topics and kind of lightning rod topics and ranting and, you know, giving it to people. And we did it kind of, you know, we did it at my uh, in-laws uh place. So big shout out to them for uh making it happen. And we were able to do it in person, uh, which was really cool. So uh unfortunately, we didn't like record video or anything. But there is a video that I believe may be around. Um, there is a great section of the show that kind of culminates at the end with chops being unleashed. Um, (laughs) And you guys will see exactly what I'm talking about. But um, for those of you that are new uh, to listening to One Nation Radio or the Social Suplex Podcast Network, Keeping It Strong Style, this is a show between myself, James Boyd, uh, Jeremy Donovan, and Joshua Smith of Keeping It Strong Style. And – this is a paid show. So, uh, all year we, we do all this, you know, the, the, these podcasts and, you know, streams and all this stuff free of charge. We let you guys, you know, hang out and stuff like that. And I uh, appreciate the subscription, uh, Aqua Turtle. And we uh, charge for this show. And the thing is, we don't charge a specific number, we let you determine that. Uh, it's kind of a pay what you want model so uh, if you want we've had people pay fifty dollars for this thing before we've had people pay a hundred dollars for this show uh, would I like someone to pay uh, you know a thousand dollars for the show sure I would love that uh, but whatever it is you know it is worth every penny that you that you um, spend for I know you guys like we don't want to um, you know, just, just ask for your money. We want to earn it. And uh, I, I would definitely like to uh, smash the years that we had uh, previously. Every year, the FOH draft that has been a paid show, it has gone up uh, as far as, like, overall revenue. And I would love for that to continue. Um, I believe there may be a teaser out uh, this weekend, uh, which you guys may see, uh, like, a little video uh, as well, uh, and then I believe the week after that, may be when we release it. So uh, let check out keeping the strong style. Also, they'll probably talk about it tonight as well. We haven't ironed out a date exactly, but it's it's always a happening with the FOH, and um, FOH stands for "fuck out of here." Uh, and as a draft, so we we put those lightning round topics in you know and we draft them and you know in a circle snake wise and then we have a lightning round and in between that you never know what you know <laughs> is going to pop up i, I want to say like the um the the first 20 minutes of it is just absolutely hilarious like you can never plan uh, uh how good you know that felt and how funny that stuff seemed um but yeah man don't do not miss the FOH draft it is A sensational listen. So um, moving on from there, the Continental Classic. So the Continental Classic has been a breath of fresh air, I think, to AEW programming with uh, a lot of the kind of streamlined matches as far as, like, yo, there's no interference. There's not a lot of, like, fuckery surrounding all this stuff. I think the promos have been great. Uh, Everyone from Jay White to Swerve Strickland, uh, Eddie Kingston, Brian Danielson, all these guys kind of cutting these promos in unique settings to uh, accentuate their stories uh, in this thing. And you would think it is a very easy kind of thing to follow. Uh, There are two blocks. You know, every time you win a match, you get three points. Every time you draw a match, it's one point. If you lose a match, you get jack shit. And the people... At the end of the tournament with the most points in each block, they're gonna face each other one on one to see who wins. You would think this is the easiest part of, you know, understanding this shit, but never, and I mean never, underestimate the world's dumbest people. The people who do not actually want to engage with their product in good faith. The people who will feign confusion at a round-robin tournament as if it is not something that happens in college football or pro sports across the landscape. People who cannot add 3 plus 3, as Seth Rich Rogan says in the comments. Uh, People who, no matter how it is explained to them, whether a video package, a graphic, by the commentary, They don't want to figure it out. They don't want to get it. The more angry these people get or claim to get, I think the better, the more AEW should lean into this because that will weed out the audience that I think AEW at times has tried to chase this year because of pressure from, you know, whether it's, you know, ratings pressure, trying to nail down the next TV deal or anything like that. But, the C2 has been a really like a watershed moment in the intelligence. <laughs> and I don't even know. I don't even know if intelligence is the right word to say. I would say just like, yo, like how people react to things in AEW, them trying to not do things, how they were done uh, in North America. This is also uh one thing too, like, when people start claiming that they've been watching NXT and NXT's the best show and all that shit stop me if i'm wrong but didn't NXT do like have done like mini G1s like the last 2 years so like maybe it's not even all that different from what WWE is doing right however the G1 itself has been round robin champions carnival round robin so Obviously, unless we are willing to call ourselves stupider than the Japanese fans as a collective, which I don't really believe they are, I think fans are fans anywhere, pretty much, and people get blinded and wrapped up in their biases and you know whatever company they want to you know go up for, they will feign confusion um, at at not understanding what the other one is doing at a particular time. I think it is not worth listening to them uh, as far as the C2 is very straightforward, very easy. And I think it is uh, something that is earning its place in the AEW calendar. And I hope they keep around because <clears throat> so many cool stories, uh, just, just going into this thing. So many uh, just nice matches that have been happening with, with guys. And, you know, I had my reservations about uh, how the C2 will work the with primarily being like it not being the square focus of the promotion. I think it needs to be at least on par with the world title at minimum rather than, uh, something that's kind of in its own world. Uh, I, I wish more of, uh, the people that were in different storylines were in this thing, but this has given, uh, uh the guys that are in it, a, a lot of room to kind of, kind of play with the format and really make this thing, um, their you know, thing, thing known. Um, And what better way to, you know, uh, there are people that think, hey, maybe this thing's a bunch of matches and everything like that. And on its simplest base level, yes, it is a lot of matches, right? However, in those matches, the narratives are just attached to them. Like, the stories build themselves, really. And I think, obviously, this is not something these people – understand yet but should they engage in good faith they will um uh, figure that out but um the c2 i think you know just arguing with the dumbest people in the world you will never win this and you will never um convert them and they will be the people that continue to you know drive the negativity around um you know your product so um Let's, uh you know, move forward. I, you know, I talked about uh, the C2 matches. Let's talk about AEW Dynamite last week. Um, we had three uh, matches on there. It was John Moxley and Jay Lethal, uh, Jay White and Swerve Strickland main eventing, and Mark Briscoe and Roosh loved all three of these matches. Um, I thought Moxley and Lethal, I'll start there, uh, was a re- – I'm not really even a fan of, of, like, limb selling and, you know, a lot of stuff like that. But I thought Jay Lethal was uh working John Moxley's leg in a pretty entertaining fashion and this one actually I was I was into this like quite a lot. Um one thing I think they are missing the boat on so far, uh, are upsets in, in this tournament. Maybe they're still to come, but usually when you're coming out, you know, the 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 blocks you wanna kinda get to that stuff faster and let people know anything can happen. Um as far as Mox and Lethal, Mox got the three points and uh, he moved on um, from beating him. Brian Danielson was on commentary for all these matches and he was phenomenal as a commentator. Um, and I guess <laughs> there's no better time since I'm talking about Brian Danielson than to talk about the leader of discipline, uh, <laughs> so, so to say, Brian Danielson. So, also uh, caught up in these stories, Brian Danielson tweeted out something. To the effect of, you know, doing the right thing. It's not always going to make you the most money. It's not always going to be popular, but it's going to be the right thing to do. Hashtag AW. And he put a heart. People were kind of like wondering what the hell is that? And immediately my eyebrows were raised. And then, you know, it was confirmed that Danielson was a part of a discipline committee. And I saw them flip on Brian Danielson of all people. A man with a pristine reputation inside of wrestling. A man that has worked in a creative capacity. He has obviously been a 20-year veteran. And he is someone that people think is friends with CM Punk. And, you know, they have obviously been connected as, uh, you know, wrestlers for, for years and years going back to... I believe there was an indie show that was in Tampa. It was like F.I.P. Two thousand four they were fighting each other or something like that. And um, you know, they were in Ring of Honor and um, you know, had lots of matches against each other in WWE and um I think people saw this as like some type of betrayal and all that. I'm just here to let you know. Brian Danielson did not owe CM Punk anything. You know what he owes him? He owes him fairness, professionalism, and to evaluate the, you know, situation as, you know, he sees fit. And, you know, in Danielson's stance, you know, as it was said, was like, yo, obviously CM Punk doesn't want to be here anymore. And he, based on everything that's happened, he probably shouldn't be here anymore. So Danielson, not the sole leader of this thing. It was, you know, with legal professionals as lawyers and, you know, HR people all kind of making up this committee and Danielson kind of being the wrestler representative of this thing. If it wasn't going to be Danielson, who would you want on the committee, I ask? Would you want Kenny Omega on the committee? Would you like Matt Jackson or Nick Jackson on the committee? Would you like Christopher Daniels on the committee? Would you like several other people that this man ostracized on the committee? Would you like Colt Cabana on the committee? You know, (laughs) would you like Jack Perry on the committee? It's like Chris Jericho on the committee. No. So no matter who it is, uh, they're going to be the enemy, huh? That's what it seems like here. However, it's it was like collective amnesia swept over um, the the mindless. Maybe that's how, how I'll refer to these people. The mindless uh, minions, and not to be confused with Athena's minions. Um, it was like they forgot Tony Khan walked out on stage And fired CM Punk in Chicago and basically said, yeah, man, we had a committee. They made a unanimous recommendation to me, which I have the sole decision and the final decision to fire CM Punk. It's like this never happened. They're looking for any way to not put it to CM Punk. It was always he had to get railroaded somehow. Right. And they did it in Chicago. He had a collision scheduled for that night. He had a pay-per-view scheduled the next night. He walked in there and fired his ass. And then the roster came out there and bawled out. This is not Brian Danielson's fault. This is not any other person's fault except Phil Brooks. The only thing I ask is can you deal with it? Because if you're not... If you you can't, it's okay. Admit it. Say, hey, this really affects me. This uh, changes how I watch professional wrestling because I'm so invested in CM Punk. And just whatever he does, I'm going to follow. But unfortunately for the rest of us that live in the real world that can (laughs) evaluate situations like adults, obviously the disciplinary committee could figure it out. So, I don't know what the grand conspiracy is supposed to be here. When I have to watch people that are sons of one of the greatest rappers of all time come out on Twitter and just argue with Sean Ross Sapp to death. I don't understand it. I'm lost. I I, I think that it is a, uh, you know, it's an unfortunate situation really. Because... I would count myself amongst the, the CM Punk fans uh at, at one time, like, yo, this is this is the guy we ride with, this is the guy we show up for, right? But yo, let's look at it. Let's look at what happened. I I, I don't know how you, you continue to call this person a leader unless you just think, hey, this person's entitled to act uh however way they want and it's okay. Like, if if that's it, maybe I don't understand. Maybe I'm the wrong person here. But Brian Danielson, he went in there and did a job. I'm sure a a job he didn't ask for. A job that he didn't want to be responsible for. But he basically was like, yeah, man. He he was obviously looked at for a reason. Like, yo, you can make a fair decision. And unless you want to come out here and give me this – Laundry list of things that Brian Downson has fucked up and then hold it up into, um, (laughs) you know, like, yeah, this CM Punk thing is the latest among them. I got nothing for you, Jack. Like, uh, great comment. Punk fans act like Punk is some persecuted minority. That's because CM Punk is so great at his job at convincing everyone the world has wronged CM Punk. It's easy to whip up a base. We see it all through all uh, walks across like many uh, – you guys know what I'm trying to say. Across many walks of life, we see people whipping up the base. So <laughs> um, it, it, it's interesting, man. And I, I don't know – uh you know what it's gonna take for uh, I don't know if this is gonna follow downson I don't think it will Downson's is just gonna continue being one of the greatest wrestlers of all time and then handling any other situation that he gets asked in on probably with class and integrity that that that's kind of what it seems like and you know if if we if we start comparing records, I don't know why um we would look at Danielson's record and then look at Punk's record and say Punk is the one that we need to stand behind. Danielson's the problem. I I, I just didn't, don't think you're of sound logic here. Zach uh, Maki has a comment. He says, Rich, nothing Jack Perry did warranted Punk going off, especially if you're making multi-millions. All he had to do was tell Tony to handle that. Throwing away money like that makes me think he just wanted to be done at that point. Uh, maybe so. But you would think you would. I feel like he was compelled to act this way because he's not going to act like this in WWE. I feel like it was a respect thing. I feel like even though CM Punk was given the world, the world was not enough. Um. Dr. Larry, Danielson cleaning up when Punk leaves the territory. It's happened twice. This is three times. Seth Rich Rogan. I'm sure the people will now decide that Danielson is part of the grand conspiracy and they'll get banned from Twitter, and that will be that. righty, we got James here. Uh, I'm going to loop him in to speak about Florida State. You guys are going to hear a cut in this podcast recording because uh, I was able to get James here to uh, talk about uh, the Florida State Seminoles and um, it is, you know, probably about 50 minutes later since I last talked to him. So, James, what's going on, man?
2: I mean, uh, look, it, it's been a a really weird uh, 48 hours for me, um, not just the Florida State stuff, but like right now, um, I just got a family situation going on and luckily I was able to stick my head out just to reach out to people because so many people um i guess because of the show no i'm a huge for state fan and they want to know my perspective on this and they were expecting some epic rant and everything and i'm sorry to disappoint you but i don't have it i don't have much for epic rant i mean there, there are things that i'm pissed off about but i don't have the you know the all-time flame throwing fuck that whole committee send them all straight to the to the pits of hell type of thing I, I just don't have it i never had it i didn't have it when it was announced and they got fucked over in that kind of way either but um yeah, like uh, Rich, uh, can you tell me like what what were your kind of like your your main points on on when you talked about it earlier? I heard you told me you had already talked about it.
1: Yeah, um, I I think it was for me. I was like, yeah, man, this is this is fucked up that they didn't make it. But w- there was one team that was going to get fucked in this thing, and as soon as they put that thing in there about the availability, and you know. The injury status of the team, I was like, there's there's no reason that they would say that if it wasn't going to really become a factor in this thing. And mm-hmm. I was shocked when, when they did the 13-0 thing and, and not let them in. And they, they were like, yo, they're not in. Alabama and Texas are in. But at the end of yeah. the day, we, we know the, the score on this stuff. They want the SEC team in there. Um, yep and it, the, that's just how it is. Maybe this is why Florida state needs to get out of the ACC. Uh,
2: yeah, 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 yeah. Um, so I, I'll, I'll, I'll fill in for where you are. So let's start from my perspective on it. Right. Um, my initial watching the thing, I actually laughed. Like I laughed at, uh, in but I wasn't actually like, uh, I wasn't like, I can't believe they did this to, uh, to, to this team. Uh, I'll, I'll start back even further. This particular Florida State team is my favorite Florida State team since the national championship team in 2013. Um, this is a team that I feel like was coached and together and reached its potential as a team. This is not a team filled with uh, four and five star, with fours and five star roster. Now they do have; they weren't absolutely uh, put together or made better by the additions. Of Jaheim Bell and Braden Fisk and uh, and Keon Coleman through the portal over the last year, they absolutely were. But those guys weren't exactly like you know some guys coming leaving out of Ohio State or Alabama and and coming over. They only had like they only played at Fort or at their school for like one or two years. You, we're talking about people that like you know Keon Coleman got out of his situation at Michigan State, and then next thing you know, this year Michigan State had a fucking you know their coach had a had a, had a sex pest scandal, right? Like there's all sorts of. Uh, You know weird situation. but my, my main point is this this team for the most part was filled with High, you know really impact or impact portal guys that like Mike Norvell was able to hit at a, at a rate that like nobody else has been able to Make this portal thing work at this level with the kind of rate of high-level players And it comes back to we're bringing people in that can play but we're not bringing them in just to get a check off NIL or whatever else. We're bringing them in because they are a fit with our culture. They want to be here. They want to work hard. They want to bust their ass. They're injured. They're not. They're not. You know, checking out of games and they're battling through injury. Like Keon Cohen's banging the fuck up. He's probably not. He's. It sounds like he's not going to play in the uh, Orange Bowl. Orange Bowl. But he's been out here. He's been out here just out there just running around with no juice for like about a month now, mm-hmm. or since the or since the week before the Miami game. He didn't even play the week before the Miami game and he played through it. Scored, you know, had the the, the go ahead touchdown in the game. Like, this is a dude that like has busted his ass for his first year he's been here, right? Braden Fist, the dude has been walking around on a boot uh, between practices, all like you know, most of the season, and then all he goes out there and the leashes with him and uh, Jared Verse, like probably the best like combination defensive line uh, tandem I've seen at Florida State. It's like Peter Bulwer and Andre Wazworth. You know, <laughs> uh, we're talking about like an, an all time combination, like so. Um, I love this team. I've loved how this defense has gotten better and better and better every single week to the point now where, like, I think they might be one of the three or four best defenses in the country after, like, thinking that Adam Fuller need to be fired as defense coordinator. I, I love this team. Uh, so it really sucks for to watch all these guys come together. It really sucks for the guys that weren't necessarily transfer guys, but, like, the guys like Kenan Deloach and the guys that were, like, they came in, you know, with Woody Taggart and Dream Ball, that kind of stuff, and then they went to shit, and then they didn't leave; they stayed, right? Like the Jordan Travis thing sucked really bad because this is a dude that, like loved Florida State, and uh, you know ended up not getting, not getting the scholarship to Florida State. So he went to Louisville, and then he came here as a transfer, and then like he was like, I- "I'll play wide receiver," and North said, "No, you're a quarterback." This dude was a you know was a semifinalist Heisman candidate. And a dude that broke his leg, and people think that highly of him. That like that's the reason why this team is not in the playoff. Like I love this team. I don't think I'll ever like enjoy a team this much going forward. As far as like the stories of these dudes coming together in these weird circumstances because of the because of the uh, the because of COVID and the transfer portal and the part this 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 team of seniors and redshirt seniors are still around. Like. Right in the ship after all this shit happened after Jimbo and with Willie Taggart, so um, I have a real, you know, I have a I have a huge space in my heart for this this team and this run the last two years, winning ten games last year and then now going thirteen winning thirteen games. So um, it really sucks for those guys, but I mourn the season and you know we could go back through the uh, the archive and all that kind of stuff about um, when we talked about full gear that that particular show because it's like I'm watching that North Alabama game and I see Jordan Travis' ankle snap. Um, thirty minutes before that, that show starts, and I like I just grab my keys. I think I threw something. I grab my keys. I grab my wallet, and I grab my phone, and I just go on like a on a drive because like the uh, full gear is starting half hour. But like if we, there wasn't a full gear, um, I probably would have drove for like an hour because I was so pissed. Mm-hmm. I was so I was I was so blown. I can't believe that this this shit like this kind of fairy tale season, a season where like I thought all I wanted out of the season uh, this year was split with LSU, split with um, Clemson, and that's between those two teams, and have a chance to just make it to the ACC title game. They won every single fucking game in one ACC. I was so happy for this team. Um, and uh, I still am happy to see. I'm proud of this team. And, like, look, once that happened, they won the last two games, they beat Florida, they beat LSU, I'm super proud of this team, but Push comes to shove. If you ask me, who, who are the, is this one of the four best teams in the country? The answer is no. So, I so for me, when that decision was made, that decision didn't bother me. What I had a problem with is the week to week polling or whatever of the committee to to all of a sudden Florida State lose their quarterback. They see him. Ver- they see the backup quarter versus versus Florida. He stinks, and he also comes back and concussed. Right? Then the third stringer, who's a true freshman who couldn't uh, practice much. He had a, a a hand injury or finger injury. He's in the verse LSU. Go back to the, the 40 After the Florida game, and saw Tay Rodmaker stink. Why wasn't Florida State dropped out the top four then? That was the time to do it. Those cowards thought that they were going to lose to Louisville, and that was going to take care of it so they could have ranked them where they were and left them where it was because when they talk about this uh, the committee, year after year after year, they don't, they never do. They've never done power ranking before. Power ranking meaning like, who are actually the four best teams? Fuck, one team lost some stupid ass game. Who are the four best teams? Is it Alabama? Is it Georgia? Is it Ohio State? Is it Clemson? Is it Michigan? Is it uh, Texas? You know what I'm saying? They've never done that before. They always thrown in a TCU or whatever else. So they get to the point where. They had the opportunity to see them, see Florida State not score a million points on Florida, sorry ass, bums, (laughs) right? (laughs) And and they had the time right then to have said, all right, they stink, and and now they're going to be with their third stringer. Drop them. Put them down to eighth. They didn't. They left them at at four. So they go into uh, this weekend, and they play a top 15 team in Louisville and they beat them by ten points. They beat a team that was just, it was just as higher or no more higher higher ranked than Texas did. Texas jumps in one week from seven to three. Florida State drops from four to five. Alabama jumps from what uh, was it eight or seven to eight. to four? Eight, uh, to, eight four. to four. And it's like, okay, and Florida State, and Florida State is now at five, which is like, and, and their the point is, all right, well, Alabama's better than them because of the injury. Okay, so tell me why your power rankings now, because you just told us the power rankings are not actually about you know the resume, even though you've done resume every single fucking year until this year. Tell me why in your final rankings you have Florida State at five if they stink so fucking bad. Why are they behind? Why are they in front of Georgia? Why are they in front of Ohio State?
1: Interesting. Question. Shouldn't they
2: be seventh? Because shouldn't they be? Because by you know by power ranking, they're the worst uh, team with one or zero losses, right? Put their ass at seven. I'm just, yeah, put them at seven. They put them at five. They fuck Florida State. Now, yeah, big time. i now. When I first saw the thing initially, I was like, I didn't care because ultimately, it's not. A, I know intellectually that's they're not one of the four best teams. So I'm perfectly fine with it. And you know me, I tend to prefer a team. Um, I, pretend, I, I prefer them to, like, if a team is good enough or whatever else, you can overlook a win or, or one loss or whatever as you think a team could smash the other team. Florida State will get smashed by Ohio State. Ohio State's a great defense. Now, McCown McCord stinks. He's transferring, but he stinks. So maybe that is a closer game. Um, given how Florida State's played on defense, whatever. Uh, but Georgia, a healthy Georgia, healthy Florida State without Jordan Travis, Georgia rolls. Easily. Easily. I have so. I have no issue with none of this of them not making it, but the process of over the hearing the, the argument is like i can't it's unjustifiable and it's cowardice and that and that leads to uh talking about the a c c stuff
1: yeah um yeah it's um you know, I just thought there was there was nasty scenarios that were gonna leap out yeah. any way that that you went about this thing like um, it was going to be the SEC confirmation bias. It would be either Florida State getting hosed. It would be Texas being like, "Yeah, it don't matter that you beat uh, Alabama head to head." Right. One of one of those three was going to happen, and that and shit just landed on us.
2: Right. And I'm at a point, and I'm honestly at a point where it's like, "Hey, I honestly feel like if Georgia had beat had won the SEC title game, Florida State's in at four because they can't play Alabama in." Mm-hmm. Right, like it's like okay, they, Alabama's lost two games. Their whole thing turned into oh shit! Like Alabama's got to be in here, but Texas beat them. But Florida State went undefeated. For for Florida State, Jordan Travis injured. That's their logic. Yeah, and like and the, and the thing when it comes to it is like all these all everybody in the committee always knows that when you have go from the last game of the season of their last or championship uh, weekend to the bowl bowl series. You got 15 weeks to practice Brock Glenn in 15 weeks of practice, given that he's a third string quarterback, where that was injured. How much practice time do you think he actually got, got all year?
1: Probably not much. Cause he probably never took those reps with, with the, with the ones.
2: Right. So like he was going to be better than whatever you actually did see, even though he was good enough to win, to beat a top 15 team by 10 fucking points on a neutral field, but whatever. So yeah, um it's time for an ACC talk you know uh that was one of the things that that's why I say it was like a, a weird emotional thing for me like one of my one of my favorite things from this weekend before this whole thing happened was like to be able to put out that tweet that I put out about you know la- during the summer Florida State made noise and we want out we want unequal revenue sharing amongst the partners in the ACC because the TV money for the SEC and the big Ten is so much more money year to year than the, what an ACC team gets in this share, that it makes no sense going forward for a Miami, for a Clemson, for a Florida State, for a North Carolina to to stay in this conference. But the only school that is willing to that's, that they will they could say, "Hey, this is bullshit. Change this, or we're leaving, and you're and you get nothing." in the conference dies, the only person willing to be willing to say this is Florida State. Clemson's just sitting in the shadows waiting for it to happen. But when it's time to jump, guess who's jumping with Florida State? Fucking Clemson. So, what's happened, what happened over the summer was a bunch of, you know, Wake Forest fans, Carolina fans, NC State fans said all this shit about what is has Florida State done. I'm sorry, we the ACC has won uh, five national so times in my lifetime, three of them to Florida State. What do you mean, uh, what is has Florida State done? Right, you know, wow, I sent you the video. I sent you the video uh, about what Florida State and Clemson has done as just two programs compared to the rest of the conference, and it's it's been a landslide. Like you can say what you want to about Carolina basketball, Duke basketball, all that shit. The ACC is Florida State and Clemson to further notice. They're the breadwinners or the cash cows of this conference. Um, so, like y'all don't they don't want to play that game? Florida State was trying to look a way to get out of their uh grand rights and then move over whereas whether it's sec or whether it's the big 10 geographically makes more sense for the sec but whatever and you know we talk about uh you know college football is full of these insecure communities in florida states you know the sec's like uh insecurity in general is they were so goddamn racist that they didn't uh they didn't stop their races from letting them be good at be the best conference in football until night until the '90s, or, or yeah. you the, the late '90s, right? Yeah. That's their insecurity; they didn't have to deal with it, right? Um, that's why Florida take That's why Florida ran away with the conference forever, you know. Anyway, um, Florida State's insecurity is they're the SEC school; they're the SEC power. It's not the SEC that in, in their sister school in the state of Florida. Gets to brag and talk shit. Meanwhile, they never ever gone undefeated or uh, undefeated ever in a single season. They always say, "Well, you know, if we were in this week it is weak ass conference, we're going it or win one game or lose one game every single year." Meanwhile, well, bro, like we beat you every single year. What what about what about that? Or not every year, but like we beat you more times than most since Balance gotten here. So so, what do you have to say? That is the thing that that, that, that need that the the, the the jab at Florida State is they're the SEC school that's not the SEC.
1: And this shit is finally like <laughs> come to haunt them in like the worst way because people decided fuck your conference championship. Yeah. Now, <clears throat> don't
2: get me wrong. In the, in the grand scheme of things, Florida State is perfectly fine. Like this will never this will never happen again because it's the last time there's ever gonna be a fourteen playoff. If this were last year, they would not have done this knowing the, the shit that that committee would have to deal, deal with the next year as far as ridicule and, and, and claims from the public of illegitimacy, right? So, that is that's that is what it is. Um, But, in the grand scheme of things, you know, like, Florida State, there aren't, you know, there aren't 10, there aren't nine jobs better than Florida State in, uh, independent of the head coach. Like, it's not. Like, once we've gotten the NIL... It is has kind of closed the gap on what it was kind of lacking on behind on, and also Florida State figured out, like, they're behind the times on the way they were spending out the uh, percentage of football money uh, compared to sports money. If, once they solved that up, Florida State is back on track and everything, and they got and they hired the right coach and all that kind of stuff. So they're back on track. They have number three recruiting class after having substandard recruiting classes compared to what Florida State has had in its in heyday. Um, they're trending up. They're still trending up, and their NIL initiative um, I would say it's doing pretty goddamn well since this happened on, in the last 24 hours or or day and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, so, for a second, to be perfectly fine, uh, but it was just um, it's one of the things to point out. Like, look, man, yes, the other day was the death of the ACC. It's going it may be two years from now or whatever else, but it's happening, and this is what's going to expedite it. The conference is done. It's walking on is is a damn man walking. It's going to look like how, you know, the Big Tw- the Big 12 is looking this year with Texas and, and Oklahoma out the door. Looking like the Pac 12 with with uh Oregon and Washington and USC out the door. It's going to happen the next 2 or 3 years. We're headed towards two super conferences, two labels. And this is oh, this no is what, two this, this is what killed it. This is what killed it. it, it the ACC is dead as a, as a as a football conference. It is.
1: Incredible, man. Just, that's it's unfortunate, man. Like because it's like the, the, the team did what they were asked at the end of the day. Yeah. And yeah. apparently they were asked something else. It was like, hey, they, just just when you uh, think you got the answers, we changed the questions. Yeah. It's like, hey, uh, you know,
2: um you schedule LSU. You went out there and beat it by twenty by twenty one points? neutral field okay great uh you schedule florida every single year but they're fucking bums so they hurt you they hurt you ultimately like by by being rivals with them this year in particular or this particular run you know of the last shit almost 15 years now at this point (laughs) um miami they haven't done shit for you for your schedule in 20 years been in the been in the conference since 2004. They scored three points in ACC title game history. Damn. Thanks Miami. Appreciate it. Right? So, um that's that's the situation. Like they schedule who they scheduled. Their schedule let them down. Oh, and also, you know, another part about this also. When Louisville kicked that fucking game to uh Kentucky last week, Mm-hmm. They went from being a t- they they went from being top ten or ranked tenth to dropping to fifteen. If they had been top ten, it'd been a lot more hard for them to um to, ha- to have done this. Be like, wait, they beat a top ten team by <laughs> by ten points. <laughs> you think you're think you throwing them out. That'd be even hard for them to get away with. But you know, you can say, oh well, unless, you know, Louisville, they lost their last two. Whatever, they're not that good. So get them out of here. Get them out of here. Get Furstay out of here. So um, you got. It was funny seeing Norvell like uh they showed the video like almost like selection Sunday when you show teams on the bubble mm-hmm. and you show them like you know, they show the joy of getting in also all, all the agony and, and sadness of not getting in. Right. So they show, you know, they showed uh Alabama getting in and everything, they showed Texas get in, and then they showed the Florida State th- team and they showed like, you know, you see Jordan Travis there in, in in his fucking cast and you see him next to Trey Benson and you see Norvell and you see Norvell in the white hoodie and you know then you see all the disappointment in the entire room, and then you see Norvell, you know, basically rally the rally and them say, Hey, it ain't over, you know, we got a bowl game and that kind of stuff. But, like, in that was like just later in the day, like an hour later, you get the news about the Orange Bowl of Georgia versus Florida State. So then you see, like, Norvell and, and Kirby Smart doing the telephone or doing the the, the, the um internet uh, conference from their offices. Zoom. And you can see, like, bro, look at these two. Neither, I have never seen a a, a you know a New Year Six bowl game where two coaches don't absolutely do not want to be fucking there because both of them thought they were going to be in the playoffs.
1: Yeah, right. You know, so was, Kirby Smart, not a black man. Apparently. Yeah, yeah,
2: yeah, yeah. You know, uh, I don't know if y'all heard that one, but uh, yeah, Rich, 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 because one of our friends, Kirby, you know, been on the show before. He, Kirby's black. I guess he just thought, like, I guess that's a black name, so he just assumed Kirby Smart. <laughs> I didn't, I, he assumed Kirby Smart was black, and I was like, well, and I, I just laughed at it, but then I thought about it the next day. I was like, Rich, you to tell me that if Kirby Smart had, had been black, we would have been talking about him on the show a lot more often. <laughs> like, you're to tell me Nick Saban had a, had a, a long term. A uh, defensive coordinator that was black, then gets the Georgia job, and it's not a story about his blackness. And then wins two national championships, and that's not a story about his blackness. No, he'd, be just, first, he'd be the first. be the first college football coach that was black to ever win a uh, national title. He won two back to back. Nah, man. He look, he'd be in the barbershop. Kirby black Kirby's, <laughs> hypothetically black. Or sorry,
1: hypothetically black, has would
2: have been in the barbershop.
1: Oh, up there with M O K and Obama,
2: right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah shoot, and, and in that same picture, shooting dice with Tupac and Biggie and all that, yeah. Correct, correct. He been on the cover, look, look, look Curry's smart, hypothetically black abs, been on the cover of Jet Magazine.
1: <laughs> essence.
2: <laughs> yes, Essence.
1: You no, know, with the yes. family, you know, all that shit. Yeah,
2: yeah. But look, man. Um. Yeah. It, it was. It was just hard to take this or to see like what happened to the guys and everything that I had watched all this year. Because like they, I mean, they righted the ship. They flat out righted the ship, and uh, they're gonna they a special place, tomorrow, And I thought that like, you know, I thought it sucked that it just happened to them. But like, I get it. But to see the the shenanigans of them, like you know, doing the power raking stuff, being inconsistent with from the week to week stuff with it, the results of you know, the weekend leading to the jumps like that was just like it's shenanigans like if i i it, it's just it makes no sense Florida state should have been pu- should have been pushed down after that Florida game and that and I've been fine with that they're like all right y'all get ready for the gut punch that's gonna happen to y'all Florida State. you know I'm more in tune of this I'm aware of what's gonna happen everybody you know like I got a I got a whole heap of Florida State fans and like I you know I'm kind of antisocial at times rich right <laughs> so so the, the the woodwork these people came out of to be like, is James okay? James, what the <laughs> fuck is happening? James, what's your opinion on this? It was like wow, or not wow, but it was like, yeah, man. Like it, either some good shit happened or some bad shit happened." They start when people start coming out of the woodwork, they text me or message me about Florida State.
1: Yeah. Um, so
2: yeah,
1: it was got, one of I those weekends be checking on Floyd Johnson. Uh, oh, as well.
2: he's taking it rough, way rougher than I am. Way rougher. I'm upset by the kids. Floyd's upset about himself, <laughs> <laughs> and I don't blame him. He has a right to be. He loves the school as much as I do. He loves football teams as much as I do.
1: Yeah, yeah. Put a wellness check in on Floyd, man. Oh man. Oh, uh, but yeah. All right, man. We'll uh, we'll, we'll let you go, man. But um, you know, I did talk about the Okada and WWE or AW stuff, the free agency earlier. Um. Talked about the C two and talked about Brian Brian Danielson, you know, layer down of law a little bit earlier, but uh, you know we'll get you back on here next week and uh, you know yeah. we'll, we'll uh, do the full thing. But just want to get you on with, with the yeah. FSU stuff.
2: Yeah, I hope everybody that uh, that wanted what they wanted as far as my reaction from me got at least got some anger out of me. I'm not I'm not as angry as other people. Like I ain't as angry as Mike Norvell. I ain't as angry. It's the A.D. <laughs> you know, you got you. I mean, bro, we got like Rick Scott and DeSantis and Trump tweeting about this shit. It's 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 it's, it's, it's a lot of strange side. bad fellow for outrage. Look, it, for outrage.
1: Look, look, it's putting us on the wrong side. So I'm gonna just be like, you know what? They got it. It's all right. You know, but if we, we got to stand next to Ron DeSantis, you know, I, I'm not really comfortable with this. Yeah,
2: you know, like I didn't. It was funny because I was like, I was trying to talk Floyd off the ledge. look bro. We we had no chance of winning anyway. So there's no reason to, be, you know, this upset. And then he was he was arguing like, Nah, man, that's bullshit. Like they earned the right by winning them two games. Like, look, you got a point. They did earn. They did just beat Louisville by ten. And then that the Santa shit came out. I was like, Bro, you don't look. look who look who side you on? This what you want to do? <laughs> this what you want to do?
0: This ain't it. Yeah.
2: He didn't respond, so he so he like his answer is yes, I do want to be on that side, like for this, for, for one look, one night only, <laughs> this, this one time special collab. You know. He, Floyd Johnson Jr. and Ron DeSantis on the same side of some shit. <laughs> it's great. Yeah, it's great.
1: All right, man. Yeah, all right, man. Yo, peace. Yep, later. Alrighty, so um, yes, they would not let Florida State finish the story, uh, unfortunately. Um, Then we could not coexist amongst the rankings. So uh, I'll jump back into uh, our dynamite review here. Um, So the next part brought us to Tony Schiavone with uh, Sting and Ric Flair. And this is like an old school style promo, a lot of focus on. Shivani and then, you know, handed it off to Flair and Sting. They announced that Revolution is going to be March 3rd at Greensboro Coliseum, the same building where he wrestled the nature boy Ric Flair in 1988. Flair was looking – he was struggling with his words. But in the midst of all this, Flair actually did say what I think was the line of the segment. And when he said, you know, I didn't make Sting. Sting made himself. I think that put Sting over. Heavy, and I thought that was a a really tremendous line from Flair, um, to really just kind of you know, kind of like remove one of the major kind of narratives. Like it was like, yeah, Flair just carrying Sting. Like it, it could have been anybody with that. It was like, nah, man, Sting not only held up his end of the bargain, but then he went and had thirty five years of a career after that. You can't give it all to Flair. You can give something to him. You can't give it all to him. So um, from there, we went into Roosh versus Mark Briscoe, which turned out to be one of the best matches in the tournament. Neither of these men have a problem fucking each other up uh, in this. They're going to, you know, Roosh is going to wrestle aggressive. Mark Briscoe is not going to get swallowed in any of this. This is a slugfest, lots of chops. Danielson was talking about their determination. And, um, you know, both of these guys were coming off losses, so you could just feel the desperation in both guys, uh, you know, just bleeding through on here. Um, This all, you know, went until uh, Roosh got the bulls horn with the win. It was just like this was a rough, hard-fought match, and this was like what I was anticipating when I saw these two in the same block. I didn't figure this was going to be a match – a top-of-the-block match. I thought this was just going to be down in the mud, in the muck, and that's exactly what it was. Uh, really liked this match a lot. Uh, i probably go four and a quarter on it. Um, I thought it was, um, you know, just, just the epitome of, like, what I want to see uh, at least some of this thing be. Um, we got RG City backstage. He was there with uh, Tony Storm, uh, Luther, Mariah May. Uh, Tony Storm was pissed about her acceptance speech. Uh she's talking about JFK and the Kennedys and all types of weird stuff. Yes, Seth Rich Rogan, glad you brought that up. Bandito. Another wrist surgery. He's gonna be out a long time. Maybe not till like May or uh you know, June. So he sent a long uh message out about it. But um as far as uh Tony Storm, she was just, you know, kind of talking and says she wants to defend the belt next week or she's going to defend the belt next week. They set up Tony Storm versus Sky Blue, a match that we have seen several times. Uh, I saw a promo from Sky Blue. It was not good. It was rather soulless. And I'm just wondering, like, is this, like, Sky Blue overpush? Like, is this a result of, like, unavailability of everyone else? Is this just like, yo, you're trying to make a new person? Is it just like a uh, – is it something I'm missing in the ratings? I, I I don't know. But Tony Storm and Sky Blue have happened. Doesn't or like at least three or four times. Tony Storms won every one of them. They heated sky blew up. If you can call it that, uh, with a single victory in a three-way match last week. And now she's wrestling for the world title or the women's world title. Yeah. Do better. MJF, uh, then decided to break out of the malaise that he was in. And he did probably one of his best promos, in months, like a calendar seasons worth, um, of <laughs> of amount of time, uh, he brought the cane out, and he basically built Samoa Joe up. Talks about uh, respecting uh, him, you know, for not only believing in AW, but uh, you know, not wanting to line his pockets. That's why he's here. He's here, you know, because. He once had a poster, and he was growing up watching TNA, and one person stood out from that company, the Samoan Submission Machine. And MJF mentioned that Joe was not being awarded the opportunity to become a WWE world champion, but proved that you didn't have to be a bodybuilder to be a champion. Joe helped pave the way for guys like MJF. Uh, Without guys like Joe, there might not be an AEW, and MJF thanks Joe, even though that hurts him to do so. Kept a very serious tone on this. I liked it. Build the guy up and then like say what you have to kind of say. So it either looks like you're winning against somebody worth a damn or you're losing a really tough individual. So MJF from there, he put himself over. Uh, He was, you know, for helping start the new alternative, uh, helping build AEW brick by brick from day one. Uh, He talked about everybody that he's beat from Brian Danielson to Kenny Omega to John Moxley to CM Punk. Uh, the one person that he was lucky to survive against was someone with Joe. December 30th isn't about Joe's legacy, but it's about Max's. Can Max survive the one final boss, one final time? Uh, and he promised everyone he doesn't care what happens to so his body. He's going to show the world. not about the size of the dog in the fight. It's the size of the fight and the dog. Joe wants to take what uh, he's going to, you know, he, he wants to take him. Uh, he's going to have to put him down. Uh, he broke his cane, and then the lights started flickering, and all that. We got a bunch of low budget production as four masked men uh, appeared, and and you know one held a bat before Joe made a save. Um, I think this is uh, the end of the line for Maxwell Jacob Friedman. Um, I, I I don't see Samoa Joe losing twice to this man in short succession like this. I think there are other people that are being positioned. Um, to get up to the championship level uh, around Samoa Joe. So, like, uh, you can probably look at the Conradale Classic. Maybe there are people being hidden in there. Um, there, It seems like what MJF and Joe are doing, this is like – I feel like this is a classic. Yeah, man, it's time because, like, MJF cut a promo – where it wasn't fucking goofy. It wasn't stupid. It wasn't like all this uh, rigmarole with Jay White that he was doing. It was like, all right, there's somewhere for him to land when he loses the title, which is all that devil shit that he's going to be occupied with when he loses. So he's not going to be going right for the belt. So he feels right for the picking right here. So, um... Samoa Joe is going to win the AEW world championship people. So make peace with it, uh, or, you know, whatever. But, um, that's, that's my prediction. So, you know, we'll see. But, um, as far as like the whole segment, I thought this was a really good segment. And I think that this is, uh, you know, if MJ is going to go on in this, at least it's not bullshit. Hopefully he can put this guy over clean, but you never know the devil's people might, you know, get involved in this. um, So next week, MJF and Samoa Joe are going to be taking on two of the masked men. I saw a photo that made it look like Mike Bennett and Roderick Strong were two of the people under the masks. And it looked like you can see their facial print through the mask. So if they blew that, that would be hilarious. Um, (laughs) And I think it was, um, you know... I don't know what's going to happen with this match next week, but I hope they get unmasked and we start essentially peeling back the layers on whoever the fuck this is. Warlow killed AR Fox. Of course, that was set up last week. AR Fox still not really um, getting to do much of anything post-Wembley Stadium. So, uh, fortunately, that continues. Then we got the return of Dante Martin, God damn it. An RLPW All-Star, a man who I think will one day be the best flyer in pro wrestling if he's not already that, you know, uh, you know, up on that level already. Um, he came in with Action Nance Ready, Top Flight, what a fucking trio. This is right up my alley. Um, they took on the Hardys and Brother Zay uh, when, when Isaiah Cassidy was in there uh, working with these guys. This seemed like you know the lightning style, fast as a blur style wrestling that I love. The flips, this is what the trio's division should be built upon. Uh, I don't know what the acclaim are doing with the belts, but 60 year old Billy Gunn, if I got to watch him walk around with that title for one more day while brothers like Action Inj Ready and Top Flight are coming out here doing this stuff, if they can just not injure themselves or get any type of bad luck. This is a perfect place to let these guys be fucking spectacular. And immediately I was like, when do we get them in there with, with luchadors? When do we get them in there with luchadors? And then, um, oh, oh, Dr. Larry, yes, he is. He is. Action Andretti, brother. Yes. Um, but uh, I was I was praying. I was like, oh my God, get him in there with some luchadors, and I think this is gonna be great. And then after this match after Dante gets the pin, gets a huge reception in Minneapolis, uh, you know, looks spectacular off the fucking broken leg. They play the, the broken leg video um ahead of time. And I think people got to like stop with this. Why did you play the video? We saw it before, right? Like they play the video. So this guy can come back and be fucking spectacular. And you're like, Oh my God, I can't believe he did this. It's to help you get into it more. Like that's what it's for. So, um, I I thought Dante looked great, and, you know, it was eight months ago. That was one of the nastiest leg breaks we've ever seen. So um, immediately after that, um, they were getting congratulated on their win. Pentagon Jr., Commander, and Vikingo walk up. One, two, three versus one, two, three. Let's get it. And then um, Vikingo, Commander, and Pentagon got a match uh, on Rampage Book. Uh, to, to get a win. So presumably we're going to get this thing set up uh, between Top Flight, uh, Action Andretti, and Pentagon Commander Vikingo. Just like open up the notebook, put the stars in, can't wait. So um, up next we had uh, Julia Hart defending the TBS belt against Emi Sakura. Um, don't have much on this except Julia got a good reaction. as her hometown uh soccer is in there, uh in the old Nyla Rose role, in there just uh, you know, uh, put people over. Uh Julia did a moonsault, looked really bad. Um so, you know, I, I, I don't know if she was too close or whatever, but uh matches was decent. Wasn't, you know, nothing nothing really to write home about, but uh it wasn't like terrible either. So um Julia gets the T- TBS belt, and I believe she's starting a feud with Abaddon, I saw, which is just like this, as much as the segment with the Luchadors and, um, you know, Top Flight and Axi Andretti was for me, Julia Hart versus Abaddon is not. Like, it's not October. What are we doing? Uh, like, be serious, man. Like, I, I not for me. Uh, maybe it'll stay on Saturday nights, but, um Yeah. Um, from there, RJ said it was with Mariah May. She says she's hungry for more after coming off uh, such a run, uh, and stardom, uh, Mariah May was solid in stardom. So if you haven't uh, seen her work, uh, get ready to, uh, you know, hopefully to give her some good opponents she can work with. Uh, she then like, uh, you know, knocks on TK's office. She disappears, never seen again. So, <laughs> um, from there, we got Christian Cage answering Adam Copeland's challenge. And, man, I, I talked about it, like, maybe last week or two weeks ago that I was buying into the big Cope stock. And I was like, yeah, I'm going to buy low. I'm not going to, you know, jump off the uh, the deep end form or anything like that. But Christian and Cope deliver another solid segment here. Um, and, you know, their match has been built pretty good and you know they are going to be in Montreal this week so um, for the CNC belt so Cage hit behind security saying management wanted to have uh, security out here uh, and this is a inverse of that first segment that they did where uh, Edge or Cope did all the talking and then Christian comes out with the go fuck yourself Cage does all this all this talking basically talking about December sixth, Montreal you're not going to make it he's you know going through the long soliloquy of you know, taking out Wayne and Luchasaurus, and he, you know, was talking about soul-searching and basically talking about traveling up and down the roads with it. And, uh, you know, they said they became the greatest tag team in history, LOL. Um, <clears throat> you know, he then talked about Cope growing up with a single mother. He didn't have a father figure. Despite being the patriarch of AEW, he's not Copeland's father. He's his brother. Uh Cage's dad was there for Coke growing up. He's still his biggest fan, Blase blah, blah, more more of that. So, like, all this leads up to saying, yeah, man, um, you know, like, basically, you know, he Christian wanted to attack him with the TNT belt. Copeland uh, hit him with a low blow with a punt. He basically, like, slid down, you know, caught him uh, before he fell. He picked up the mic, said, nice try, dumbass. And then, you know, he said, shine up the TNT belt real nice on uh, next week because, you know, the belt's coming home with me. He said one final thing. He said, go fuck yourself. And the person that was on the buzzer uh, fell asleep. They allowed this man to say the entire fuck word, extend it. Uh, I was shocked there wasn't an echo on that bitch. But um, <laughs> from there, uh, you know, this was uh, set up and this is hot. This is uh, anticipated. And this is a big match. So um, this, this has been a, an awesome feud, I think. Then, um, this match in the main event, we got Swerve Strickland taking on Switchblade Jay White in a rematch of their match from New Japan Strong. And this was just a match of guys where, at very interesting parts in their careers right now, Jay White just coming off, uh, taking on MJF in a credibility rebuild mode, I'd say. Um, Swerve Strickland riding all the momentum. Beat A. R. Fox a little while ago, coming off the back-to-back wins against Hangman Page, um, coming in defeated Jay Lethal, and then he's coming uh, in the main event here, and the Minneapolis crowd just turns this guy, um, you know, j- just gets behind this guy immediately. Uh, I would I would pump the brakes on on saying Swerve is a babyface right now, just because he's being cheered for. I think a lot of uh, people are trying to push like he has been turned. I don't think that's the case. <clears throat> he's going to be wrestling Mark Briscoe this week, so we'll see how he operates uh, in that match. Uh if he, if he plays the heat, but it is very um reminiscent of the Rock in 1998. Everybody knows it. Everybody wants to cheer this guy. And he's um done all this despicable shit, really. He's done a home invasion. Uh he's, you know, kicked the baby faces of this company's ass like up and down, choked them out with a chain and um but in that there's something about this guy that is special. People like him, whether it's his wrestling matches, whether it's his style, whether it's Prince Nana and the dance, whether it's, you know, his entire journey of like how he ended up in this position. I think Swerve's a really compelling character for a lot of different reasons. Like you want to latch on to him just as an in-ring performer. You can, you want to talk about somebody that does like, you know, the hardcore stuff. You want to talk about someone that, you know, has passions beyond wrestling, like whether it's the music, Someone that I think a lot of people are gonna find pieces of themselves in. Whether like you like what he does, like as far as a performer, or like yo, I have a passion in life that I want to go after too. That's in addition to something else I go on and all that. But um, him and White thought they had like a, an excellent main event here. Just felt like a one a, a match, and I I think Jay White is much better in these type of situations rather than asking him to go thirty. Um, this is a clean win for Swerve uh, with that kind of roll through uh, off the Blade Runner uh, c- uh, counter. And then uh, White actually kicked out of the uh, Swerve stomp. And uh, he didn't end up hitting a JML or anything. Uh, but this was like, you know, uh, you know, Strickland got dropped with a sleeper suplex in this thing. And um, this was like, you know, the he did the arm break uh, spot to White. This was just like two guys just just leaving it all out there, really. And um, good on them for for doing a clean win here. And Swerve vaults to the top of the block here, uh, tied for with six points with John Moxley, Rouge, and Switchblade Jay White, who've already faced each other. They're tied at three. And Jay Lethal and Mark Briscoe are at the zips. Um, looking forward, like looking at upsets on this thing, because I feel like somebody's got to, you know, they've got to drop points eventually um you know swerve and mocks eventually gonna face each other i don't know when uh but swerve and mark briscoe are facing this week maybe to make the points match maybe mark gets the win there uh no idea uh i think jay lethal is going to um you know he's going to get a win on someone i don't know who maybe it's mark but um I think that you know cuz Jay put over Mark earlier this year it would be easy to give Jay a a win back on that so um yeah I I don't know where this is going but I'm really really compelled by the Gold League here Blue League is doing a lot of great work with uh, Brian Nelson, and Eddie Kingston. A lot of people saying this is a, a great match. Go out of your way to see it, which I still um, am going to be doing. I was traveling over the weekend, so I'm not as caught up on my collision. Uh, but Garcia and Andrade also ha- had a match that delivered, as well as Brody King getting a win on uh, Claudio Casignoli. So this is like, you know, they're two distinct kind of parts of uh, this tournament. And, man, the C2, I think, is going a lot better than people may have anticipated so um don't know how all the stories are gonna unfold yet but man this thing has been a been a great ride and um, can't wait to see how it all plays out but um I guess there's only one thing left for me to do and that's hit the music <laughs> Stardom wrestling. So, um, we have been intermittently covering stardom with, like, the injuries that they've had, our personal schedules, um, and everything else. But there are three matches that have been announced uh, with uh, huge implications. Um, (laughs) What up to my boy, Imp? Imp. Stardom Dream Queendom so far uh, in Ryugoku's, su- Ryugoku's Sumo Hall uh, is for the World of Stardom Championship. Suzu Suzuki will be taking on Mika in a rematch of the five-star Grand Prix Finals. The Wonder Match, White Belt will be Mirai taking on Sayori Ano. The Goddess Match uh, for the Tag Team Belts will be Itami Hayashista, uh, and Saya Kamatani. Aphrodite taking on Natsuko Sora Momo Watanabe. Um... Utami and just won those belts back from uh, Megan Bain and Micah. So uh, looking at these, uh, you know, matches, these are like, this is a changing of the guard uh, from, you know, the last two, uh, you know, years at this event. We concluded with these like kind of Titanic matchups of Tam Nakano and um, you know, you know, rising up and, and winning matches at the end of the year. Sayakamatani rise, rising up and winning matches at the end of the year. Shuri uh taking on Tommy, Julia taking on Shuri. I think to be fair, uh, it would be you know, Suzu, Suzuki, and Micah is a completely different kind of match because Micah is someone who has been around, who is rapidly gaining momentum, getting more over, um, and You know, you can look at the Grand Prix Final uh, where, you know, she was the one that was getting the reactions. And then Suzu Suzuki fits the uh, mode of new Rossi push um, that has been out there. With the uncertainty of this year, a lot of the main eventers kind of been, you know, away from the red belt mix. No Shuri, no Tommy, no Julia. Tam just dropped the belt um, into, you know, with the Suzu – or whatever, and no Mayu Watani around. <clears throat> it's like, well, they're gonna they're gonna remake this thing drastically. Either it's gonna go on Micah, who's you know in some respects like a journeywoman wrestler, like who's been around for a long time, or we're gonna put it on a prodigy like you know Suzu Suzuki, who is just sensational in my opinion, and I think she is someone that you should go with for the future of this promotion. Um, There is a delicate balance of making, you know, the Micah thing, you know, given that reward because a lot of people be like, yo, fuck it, you know, just, just do it or whatever. But um, Suzu, I think is just too, I think she's such a high ceiling prospect. I think if you put it on Suzu, you get her on the ascent, uh, which is always, you know, where you wanna really like catch like a new star. You you get them before they're made so they can, you know, embody your championship. Uh Zekamaki says Suzu winning would be similar to Utami winning. I think you could say that. I remember when Utami won, we weren't quite sure if she was, you know, at that level to to begin it. She quickly proved it. Um so uh I feel like I'm a lot more sure about Suzu Suzuki than I am uh than I was about Utami at the time. So uh for me, I, I think they should go with Suzu. Um when James gets back on the show, I'm sure we'll talk more about it um uh, and, and go into, you know, what we uh, you know, kind of think consensusly. Wonder title, Mariah versus Sarah Ano. So um I'm not too sure of the of the of the storyline on this one, but um these two have impressed me a lot, and they feel like two sides of a different coin very physical wrestlers, wrestlers that work well with a variety of, of opponents. And I think, you know, Mariah also fits into the new Rossi push thing. Uh, I, you know, I called uh, her winning that Cinderella back to back because it just didn't feel like anyone else was being positioned, but her to be able to jump, you kind of to that next tier. Um, I thought that uh, Mariah had obviously was, you know, getting a lot of shit from people earlier than year, not wanting to really, you know, recognize like her talent and everything like that. But um uh, Anu was just rock solid as hell too. This is a rock solid match. It's gonna be hard hitting. They're gonna beat the shit out of each other, I think. Uh I'm gonna go with Marai, uh just because like, you know, he's gonna Rosie gonna see this one through my boy. So <laughs> um got his tag team match. Uh I'm gonna I'm gonna stick with Aphrodite here. I think the long term story of Utami and Saya Kamatani is going to carry this promotion possibly later into 2024. There's a huge match between them to be made, fresh off the cage match. They're they're reuniting. They come back from injury together, and uh, y'all know I'm a Queen's Quest fan, so you know Tora and Momo. Y'all got to feel it. Odeo Tai got to lose. And um, over the next couple of weeks, uh, we'll see how this all plays out. But this feels like the first step, and or the next step in, in getting this this long uh, title reign established for Utami and Sai Keep kind of keeps them free away from the red belt, where they can allow someone like Suzu Suzuki to step into that role until it's time <clears throat> for the true elevation of Saikamitani and uh, and getting it back to to working with Utami. And I feel like you can draw a straight line from that cage match they had earlier this year, which, you know, I love so much, uh, to whatever this thing ends up being. So, um, looking forward to, to that. That's going to be on December 29th. Um, uh, but yeah, that's going to wrap up, uh, one nation radio this week. So, um, as I mentioned, FOH draft, um, coming, uh, soon, make sure you check out all the other shows on the social suplex podcast network, all things elite with Floyd Johnson. Um, new uh, Keeping a strong style with, uh, let me try this again. All Things Elite with Floyd and Austin. <laughs> James normally does this. Keeping a strong style with Jeremy and Josh, Chris, um, with, uh, Chris Things, uh, the, the show, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, and, you know, One Nation Radio as well. So, um, James will be back probably next week and, you know, we'll be here and all that. So, uh, make sure you guys are sharing the show and, um, there's, uh, a lot of stuff going on on Twitter right now that I'm going to tend to and check out. I, I don't know if people are talking about me or not, but we'll see. Um, so, you know, if you see me dunking on people on Twitter and all that, I had a good time doing that this past week. So, um, you know, I'm gonna just keep, you know, kicking the reel. Appreciate you guys locking in for the show. Uh, it was very hard to kind of do a solo show this week, I'm very tired. And my voice is kind of going right now as I can hear. Uh, but wanted to definitely, uh, still do a show for you guys tonight. And, um, I'll be on tunnel talk next or tomorrow. I'll be recording the show, uh, with, with the girls over there and, uh, very excited to do that one. Uh, and it's going to be a different kind of show. So Leah, you know, joined one nation radio. I'm going to go over there and do the home at home, uh, there. And they told me they have a lot of interesting and unique, uh, questions, uh, here for me. So, uh, I, uh, Look forward to that show a lot, so don't miss it. I will be sharing the link. Uh, I don't know when it's going to drop. It's like a bonus episode for them. So, um, yeah, we'll highlight at y'all. Peace. All right, guys. <clears throat> I'm going to have to yank James's audio from the (laughs) from the twitch uh stream here appreciate it guys uh thank you for your uh, kind words in the comments my voice is like struggling tonight um but um i uh i gotta grab the audio because somehow it didn't record james uh into into my shit so i'm gonna have to do some surgery to put it all together but um you know I will get to it, uh, and shit, I, I think you know, I might play some Mortal Kombat 1, uh, <laughs> after, after this shit, uh, I, my job, I got these, like, reward points and all that, and I was apparently able to get this for free, so I was like, yeah, let's do that, so, um, yeah, so, uh, I'm a hot lad, y'all, I appreciate y'all jumping in the stream with me, um, and, uh, you know, let's jump on the timeline and have some fun, so. Peace.